This is Ozarks Alarms for Tuesday, November 16th, 2022 on your public radio station, KUAF. We are a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. Ahead this hour, John Brummett, political columnist seen in the Arkansas Democrat Gazette, discusses the shift in the state's 2022 elections after Attorney General Leslie Rutledge shifted from the governor's race to the lieutenant governor's race. But now she's got to continue with it, I think, to be credible in lieutenant governor. I, your question also uh, went to whether she's the favorite or, or likely to win this. I think so. Uh, I mean, her name identification, the money she can move over, uh, sort of goodwill. His conversation with Roby Brock from our partner, Talk Business and Politics Ahead. In just a few minutes, the hosts of the Manic Episodes podcast, Join us to explain how their show about mental health, gay relationships, self-love, and much more developed. That's just ahead. All adults fully vaccinated for COVID-19 in Arkansas are now eligible to get a booster shot. Originally, the Pfizer and Moderna booster shots were only available to people 65 and older, those who had underlying health conditions, or those who lived or worked in high-risk settings. At his weekly press briefing yesterday, Governor Asa Hutchinson said he consulted with the Department of Health to authorize the change of policy. The governor said this modification will no longer confuse or limit people who want a booster shot. We want you to get the booster because, as the data indicates, that the effectiveness of the vaccine deteriorates over time. And so that's the reason for the booster And we want to make sure everybody that's 18 and over is eligible and is encouraged to get the booster. People who receive the Pfizer or Moderna vaccine will have to wait six months after their second shot to receive the booster dose, while those who receive the Johnson & Johnson vaccine only have to wait two months. Another 12 deaths in Arkansas are being attributed to COVID-19, bringing Arkansas's total fatalities from the virus to 8,567. There are 141 newly diagnosed cases in yesterday's report from the Arkansas Department of Health, a reduction of active cases by more than 350, and the number of virus patients in Arkansas hospitals unchanged in the last 24 hours. The University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences will use a nearly $19 million award from the National Institutes of Health to support research and interventions that will focus on reducing cancer and cardiovascular disease disparities among people living in rural Arkansas and African-American populations across the state. The five-year award will help establish the Center for Research, Health, and Social Justice. The Cherokee Nation is considering raising the minimum wage to $15 an hour incrementally by 2025. Via an executive order from Chief Chuck Hoskin, Jr., the tribe's human resource and finance department will meet with outside labor experts for a comprehensive review of pay and benefits for its more than 4,300 government workers. A pair of new direct flights from Northwest Arkansas National Airport launched this week. The inaugural flight to Punta Gorda Airport in Florida will take off from XNA on Wednesday, and the first flight for Allegiant Air to Hobby Airport in Houston, scheduled to leave the airport on Friday. A program dedicated to Thoreau Harris, a gospel songwriter who lived for the last 23 years of his life in Eureka Springs, will be offered virtually by the Shiloh Museum of Ozark History tomorrow. At noon, Susan Young, retired outreach coordinator for the Shiloh Museum, will present the program Sing On, Pray On. Born in 1874 in Washington, D.C., Harris worked as a music teacher, composer, and publisher of gospel music in his native city and Chicago before moving to Eureka Springs in 1932. There, he continued to write and publish gospel hymns until his death in 1955. Registration for the virtual lecture is required and can be found on the events link at shilohmuseum.org.
This is Ozarks at Large. The podcast Manic Episodes, hosted by Dr. Wyatt Page Hermanson, an alum of the University of Arkansas, and Mary Lambert, a two-time Grammy nominee, covers a wide range of topics. Mental health and bipolar disorder, queer identities, body image, abortion, greed, the pressures of work, and much more. The second season of the podcast just began and is available through all major podcast distributors. Last night, the two conducted the first-ever live manifestation of the show inside the Faulkner Performing Arts Center on the University of Arkansas campus, a presentation of the UA Center for Multicultural and Diversity Education. A few hours before that event, Dr. Hermanson and Mary Lambert came to the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio. I asked how the podcast, which covers intense topics, but in an incredibly approachable, warm manner, began. We had the idea of doing a podcast pretty early in our relationship, I think because we both just love talking to each other. We never get tired of talking to each other. We went on a, how long was that drive? We drove from Western Massachusetts to Seattle and back. Yes. <laughs> during during the winter, which is, is not, it's probably a little ill-advised. It like was born of a manic episode, but I think we just, <laughs> we like, you know, after settling, we're like, that still sounds fun. <laughs> let's let's, let's do, do, it. do it. Why not? And we just, I don't think we stopped talking the entire time. It's just like we never run out of things to talk about and connect about. And, um, mm. and so I think we just decided like, oh, when people are around us, they seem to be interested in what we're saying. Totally. And we also didn't feel like there was a, a, a podcast at exactly, you know, because everybody has a podcast now, it seems like. Um, and so, it, I mean, I, I might have had a podcast I didn't remember <laughs> creating, but we just didn't feel like there was something sort of at this intersection right. that we feel like we're speaking to, right? Totally. Yeah. And my sister, I remember my sister saying, y'all are so, like, it's so interesting to just listen to you two talk to each other. Right. Because we, uh, we all lived in the same house at one time. And so, you know, my sister sort of witnessing us just talking, she was like, you guys have to do something. Yeah. (laughs) So not knowing what we were doing at all, we just plunged in. Did you think as you started Manic Episodes that it would cross so many, sometimes difficult to talk about uh, topics? I think we were ready for it. Yeah. And and this is where I think Mary's work is, is, has been so instrumental in getting us off the ground because she was no stranger to being vulnerable in this way since her own work deals with, you know, some really intensely vulnerable and personal and difficult subjects. So you you really sort of strengthened me to, you know, to to delve into those topics as well. Right. Totally. Yeah, it is a it's a really natural state for me to be in to just be totally flayed open. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I think I what I really enjoyed about our conversations even before the podcast was you know, I I feel like I come into it. I come into conversations with a really just like a deeply emotional, hypersensitive, and sometimes um, like a nebulous sort of perspective. <laughs> and the way that you see the world and analyze it, and sort of and see it, and also your facility with language is so beautiful as well. Thank you. That <laughs> I think it's such a neat like bouncing off each other too. And we both can, we both make fantastic fart jokes. I mean, yes. we're yeah. great at that too. Yeah. Although I realize, like, we don't really make that many fart jokes. It's mostly just actual farting. It's not a joke. Which I elect not to edit out of the podcast because it's real. <laughs> but you do talk about some very tough things that a lot of us would rather perhaps not talk about ourselves mm-hmm. without prompting. Mm-hmm. So is that part of the idea that if we can hear the conversations that, y'all have, yeah. maybe that will generate some sort of conversation 
with your listeners? Definitely. Absolutely. And Mary, I think in, in your career, you've always had space to be open and honest, especially after you decided to like leave a major record label. You were like, this is me. I'm right. able to speak completely freely about all of my experiences, and nobody can tell me that like talking about my sexual assault isn't marketable. Right. And for me, it felt like... I sort of felt like all of the professors that I had known were, like, superhuman. You know how when you're younger and you think that your teachers must not have a life outside of school, they live there, you know? <laughs> they, mm-hmm. they, 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 flick, there, yeah. they flickered into being when they walked in the classroom. Mm-hmm. And I sort of felt the same way. Like, professors were infallible. They were on this, you know, a whole different plane of existence. And I hadn't heard any academics that I knew open up about the you know, the incredible stresses of this of this profession and what it's I hadn't heard an, another academic with bipolar disorder talk about what that experience is like. Mm. Even in graduate school here at the U of A, I remember the psychiatrist at, on at the health center saying, I don't think I've met another PhD student with bipolar disorder. And in some ways that was like, cool, I made it. But it was also like, oh, am I supposed to be here? Mm. So talking about it, I think I, I hope that and I've had other you know, professors from across the country reach out to me since we started the podcast saying, I didn't know there were any other faculty members in college with bipolar disorder who were open about it. This Mm -hmm. is so neat to connect. So, Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah, I think in my work, I have come from this perspective of seeing the power that vulnerability creates in other people. My, my, uh, like, divine message from God <laughs> is, like, is my, my antenna's out and I, I, want, I want to help heal. I want, I'm, I'm put on this earth to be a healer. And I think the best way that you can encourage connection in healing, well, I think the best way you can heal is through connection and through community. And I think the best fi- way that we find connection is through being vulnerable. That is like a quick, you know, straight line to empathy. And when we're able to empathize really earnestly with each other, find like deep connections and meaning and purpose, which I think is the source of a lot of people's suffering and pain is this feeling of not belonging. Mm -hmm. So if I can, if I can start the conversation, if I can have this, you know, like, here's my, here's what, you know, psychosis felt like for me. Here's my, you know, Here's what being in a fat body feels like. Does does anybody else feel that way too? And then it's this immediate invitation just by being honest and vulnerable that people feel less alone and they feel like there's a there's a life a life jacket, you mm-hmm. know? It's so interesting because you use a couple words there that can make people not recoil, but, oh, you said psychosis, <laughs> which when I was growing up, you just didn't want to say that. Right, right, yeah. And then you said fat. Mm-hmm, yeah. And, and those are two words that ownership has now come. Right. right. Yeah. Exactly, too. Yeah, I mean, I would have, if you would have told me like 10 years ago that I would identify as fat, I'd be like, that is, I must really hate myself, <laughs> as, right. you know, in my 30s. But it's so freeing and liberating to be like, Oh, this is this is my body, and that's just okay. Like it's it doesn't have to be something that I'm constantly at war with, mm-hmm. or that I am, you know, spending my whole pursuit in life to. Or yeah, I'm pursuing my whole life to be smaller. Like what a sad time that is. What what a mm-hmm. how much time have I wasted like counting calories or something? Right. You know, in this in this 
pursuit to be what what I am not. And like, you know, doing the research that I have now, so I'm working on a, a book about this, but like, you know, 75% of our body size and weight is determined by genetics. And so like, it's really 25% of that sort of personal choice. And we have a lot of shame for just having a, a body that we're, we're born with. And we we say that thin people are genetically thin. Like why 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 don't we do why don't we offer that same care for fat people? But it's like you go into a store if you're a fat person, a shopping you know a clothing store, and it's not even that they don't they only carry certain you know kinds of clothes for you. It's that you don't even exist. Mm -hmm. Right. What does that feel like when you move through the world and don't exist? And I think as fat people, we sort of just accept it. And I think that there just needs to be more demanded socially, culturally. It was a real revelation for me, just as as someone who is, you know, straight sized and hasn't had to deal with navigating the world as a person in a fat body. It was a real revelation for me experiencing the world with Mary and, you know, it was like all of a sudden I started noticing the fat jokes and the flippancy with which people, you know, just act like fat people don't exist and like it's okay to say horrible, awful things about them. It's like this, you know, one of these last bastions where it's just totally acceptable, you know, it's, it's, and I guess the implication is you could change and you're not changing. Totally. Or... Um, you know, there's a, a happy, thin person inside of you, and you just need to let them out. Totally. Well, and now it's under the guise of health. So, like, there is sort of this, like, you know, uh, we're, like, doing the podcast this right is, now. Yeah. <laughs> no complaints here. Yeah. Episode <laughs> yeah. 68. Yeah, totally. Yeah, th- things being under the guise of health is this, like, it offers permission to ridicule, to say, like, well, you're choosing to be unhealthy. But what we do, like, with fat people is that we assign behavior to to characteristic. So we say that if you are fat, it means X, Y, Z. You believe this, you do this, and oh, you yeah. don't exercise, you know. And, like, at my thinnest, I was, like, chain smoking and drinking, like, a fifth of tequila. I am, like, I'm the biggest I've ever been. I, like, weigh, like, I don't know. I don't know how much I weigh because I stopped weighing myself. But, like, I'm in, I'm in the biggest I've ever been. I, I, I can run a 15-minute mile right now. I never thought that I would have been able to run. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, like, oh, I can be strong and fat. But we don't get that. We don't get that. I just happened to watch a couple of episodes of Friends that mm. were from 1999. Oh, oh Lord. <laughs> I remember watching those when they were in first run. Same. You watch them now, and there are gender jokes and and body shape jokes mm-hmm. and and sexual identity jokes mm-hmm. that I think you would not see in a quote critically acclaimed prestige situation comedy totally. now. There yeah. seems to thank goodness when there is something. I'm thinking about Dave Chappelle's latest mm-hmm. stand up, um, which in which he does some anti trans. I yes. mean, the whole thing is an yeah. anti trans, like, right? Just screed, screed. right? Totally. Yes, yes. And um, it, Mary watched it. I just couldn't stomach it. But um, Mary was like, "It's it's not you know it's it, it's a huge chunk of the set. Like I mean you know anti transphobic." humor, quote unquote, takes up, you know, like this massive chunk of the set. And I'm thinking about other people in media like, you know, Joe Rogan, who has this gigantically popular podcast and, you know, the most popular podcast and regularly engages in transphobic humor, bringing on transphobic guests who have written, you know, junk science Mm -hmm. about, you know, young trans people and among other things. And so there's still there. it, It feels like while we've come so far in some ways 
there are, I think, still this, there's this need to, like, actively push back against transphobia, and especially now that, you know, I identify, I'm, I'm non-binary, and so many of my students, as, you know, as a college professor, and I teach in a dual enrollment high school program, too, and several of my high school students also identify as non-binary, and I think it's so, it, it seems anyway, like it's so meaningful for them to have somebody, like an older person in their lives mm-hmm. who is gender non-conforming and, you know, is navigating this world as a non-binary person, um, and for them to kind of see a different representation of it. Because I think other than, like, some online spaces, so much of the discourse is just so negative and hateful and transphobic and homophobic. And I think there's a need to just like, you know, like Sisyphus, just constantly pushing back (laughs) against it, you know? Well, because I think what it's also framed as this like, oh, PC culture, you can't say anything, don't upset the liberals, whatever. But I think, (laughs) but what it is, it's about compassion. It's just accepting that people are coming from different walks of life. And like, you don't want to do harm to them. It's to me is like just the basic... Like, the bar is on the floor, you know, to just, like, oh, can you just, you know, not say things that, like, hurt my identity? Right. <laughs> like, like, who I am intrinsically and can't change? It reminds me of what you said about it, that in Dave Chappelle's special, he talks about or sort of heralds as, like, kind of a hero of, of his set, um, a trans woman who um, was kind of okay with poking fun at herself and making these really cruel jokes at her own expense. Right. And I that that is not the answer. Like that's not liberation for trans people. You know, right. like being able to see your own body as a a mockery or something that people are grossed out by. Like that's totally. not that's not freedom. And right. That's a coping mechanism. That's exactly. what that's what we do under painful circumstances to you survive. Laugh along with the joke. Totally. How many fat jokes have I made as a fat person like growing up? It is it is a survival mechanism. Right. But like if we want to be good to each other, which I feel like is just the baseline of of humanity. <laughs> like we have to we have to do better. Right. You know, not because people are going to get mad at you, because it's the right kind thing to do. Yes, absolutely. One last question. Would you advise that for young early relationships driving from Western Massachusetts <laughs> to Seattle and back is a good way to determine whether you're going to be compatible? In fact, I think in, in queer culture, it's the only way to determine your <laughs> compatibility. So pack your suitcase and good luck. <laughs> and do it in winter. Yes. <laughs> only in winter, yes. Thank you both for your time. Thank, Thank you so you, much. Kyle. Mary Lambert and Dr. Wyatt Page Hermanson are hosts of the podcast Manic Episodes. It just began its second season. Last night, there was a first-ever live-in-front-of-an-audience appearance by the two at the Faulkner Performing Arts Center on the University of Arkansas campus, a presentation of the UA Center for Multicultural and Diversity Education. Our conversation was recorded at the Carver Center for Public Radio yesterday morning. Dr. Hermanson is an alum of the University of Arkansas. Mary Lambert has been nominated for two Grammy Awards, one for Song of the Year, another for Album of the Year. You can learn more at MaryLambertSings.com. You can find out more about the Manic Episodes podcast at the Manic Episodes Instagram feed or through any major podcast distributor. KUAF is supported by Merton's Eye and Optical in Fayetteville, offering curated selections of handcrafted eyewear and sunglasses from independent eyewear manufacturers, including Barton Pereira, Alem, Moscott, and more. Eyewear styling consultations are available. More information at mertenseye.com. Still come on this edition of Ozarks at Large. Our militant grammarian will introduce us to paraprosdokians. 
And you know what it means when she introduces us to something. A quiz follows. That's later this hour. If you'd like to listen to The Militant Grammarian or any of our other regular contributors like Michael Tilley from Talk Business and Politics or Randy Dixon with the David and Barbara Pryor Center for Arkansas Oral and Visual History, and you'd like to listen to them on your schedule, just download or subscribe to the Ozarks at Large podcast. It's free through any podcast distributor. And Sound Perimeter with Leo Uribe, heard every Thursday on our show, is now a podcast of its own, available wherever you get your podcasts. And and the next episode of Undisciplined, the podcast created inside the Carver Center for Public Radio as a collaboration between KUAF, Ozarks at Large, and the University of Arkansas Department of African and African American Studies. The next episode out tomorrow through all major podcast channels. Produced by our own Matthew Moore. You can hear an excerpt on our show tomorrow at noon or 7, or you may see a theme here. You can listen on the Ozarks at Large podcast. By the way, new episodes of Undisciplined are released every other Wednesday. It's pretty rare for U.S. spies, both current and former, to gather at a conference and talk about intelligence threats. When they did so recently, a clear theme emerged. I've got to tell you all, and I know many of you are in the same boat, it's so odd uh, after 27 years of being in clandestine service to see your picture and your bio pop up. This afternoon on All Things Considered from NPR News. All Things Considered today from 3 to 6 on KUAF. You can listen to us anytime, anywhere when you download the free KUAF app. We're now less than a year, barely, but still less than a year away from the 2022 elections. This month, there was a shift in the Arkansas election landscape as Attorney General Leslie Rutledge moved her campaign for the Republican nomination for governor to a campaign seeking the GOP nomination for lieutenant governor. Roby Brock, with our partner Talk Business and Politics, used the change as a jumping off point for his weekly conversation with John Brummett a political columnist with the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Brummett says given the big lead in polls and in fundraising by Sarah Huckabee Sanders in the Republican governor's race, the decision by Attorney General Rutledge makes sense. I think it's the handiest default place when you really don't want to be anything except governor. Uh, So it's the place to go. That's the only reason for the job. Uh, I wish we didn't have the job. I wish we just had a succession, line of succession of the governorship that maybe would go to the Speaker of the House or something so that we didn't have this part-time job uh, existing in a closet with two staff members at the foot of the state capitol, second floor stairs, uh, and nothing to do except for people who can't quite get what they want to go wait there. And that's what these folks are doing, and she more than anybody else. But if her plan, if she doesn't really want to be a Supreme Court justice or a judge or something like that, uh, then then this was the place to go uh, uh, because it's default and it's waiting. It's it's the green room. It's the governor's green room. Maybe if you get lucky. So that's what that's what she's. Uh, she had to swallow her pride because she once said she would be bored in a job with only two employees after doing a real job like Attorney General. But, uh, you know, that's a small price to pay for the right place to be, I guess. Do you know whether, and I've got a call in this morning, uh, she still intends to lead this constitutional amendment to do away with taxes now that she stepped down to lieutenant governor. I I don't know that I've read that, and I wonder if I missed it because I've got a call in this morning to see. thought maybe you knew. I have been asking for several weeks, if not months, when we would see the details of that proposal and when we would, you know, see some numbers tied to it, and all I get told is that it's coming. So, um, well, I guess it would still be if she abandoned it now, she would reveal it for what it actually was, which was a desperate, 
which was a Hail Mary pass in the governor's race, which fell incomplete. But now she's got to continue with it, I think, to be credible in lieutenant governor. I, your question also uh, went to whether she's the favorite or, or likely to win this. I think so. Uh, I mean, her name identification, the money she can move over, uh, sort of goodwill, and she could be like, like uh, Sarah to set up for the governorship. And, and people, Republicans might want to give her this consolation prize. I feel like she's the favorite. All right. We saw after uh, Attorney General Rutledge made her pivot, we saw a plethora of endorsements for Sarah Huckabee Sanders. It was almost like, well, now we can endorse her because there's not a two-person race going on, although I'm pretty sure most of those endorsements might have gone her way anyway, but it it certainly opened up the uh, the floodgates for that. Any surprises in seeing all those endorsements roll through? Uh, no, uh, I, I thought all the members of Congress maybe already had. Of course, they hadn't. Formality and courtesy shows that you show some respect uh, for uh, Leslie Rutledge and not do it until she exits. But uh, uh, it did not surprise me that everybody then got in line, with the slight exception of Governor Hutchinson, he's more moderate and pragmatic than Sarah. I don't know that he is especially, he's distanced himself from Trump. His own nephew, Jim Hendren, abandoned the Republican party and started this thing called Common Ground and has not yet said, and I gave him the chance yesterday, that he's definitely not gonna try to run as an independent. I'm pretty certain he's not going to. But uh, yeah, that one, uh, that one gave me a moment's uh, pause. All right. You have a column that came out on Sunday. I'm going to quote something from it here because I want you to explain uh -huh. to people that maybe either didn't read it or would like you to. Uh, what? Uh, didn't read it. <laughs> the outrage is well placed, but the bewilderment is bewildering. Uh, you are you are referencing uh, the fact that uh, the Arkansas congressional delegation did not line up and support the bipartisan infrastructure package that went through. Why is the bewilderment bewildering? Well, the letter, I referred there to uh, letters to the editor, and there have been a several in the last week uh, that were, that were as I say, they, people were aghast that, uh, that all four members, that, uh, all, and in fact, two senators before in August, but all four members of the House last week uh, from Arkansas voted against uh, in the infrastructure bill because infrastructure is popular and Arkansas is in greater need of infrastructure and the money that, that comes in, federal money that comes in than most other states. And they're saying, how could they, how could they vote against it? This is what politicians do and they want to get their names on things and they want to attend ribbon cuttings. And that's the kind of, why, why did this happen? And then they profess to be, you know, profess not only to be outraged, but bewildered, but, the, but there is nothing bewildering about it to this extent. This is a new era of politics, and Arkansas politics is all about uh, subservience to Trump. That's what that's what all of our national delegates have to engage with. It's still Trump is still is still weary though I am of it, and I hope many others are. He is still the head of the Republican Party, and he is still dominating Republican behavior, and it's because. These folks, not I don't think they're crazy about him. I think they're afraid of him. I think they're afraid of his. John Bozeman would probably be afraid of uh, of uh, Trump withdrawing his endorsement if Bozeman voted uh, with Biden. And this is not about policy. This is about outrage by Trump and his acolytes that any Republican 
would do would do anything that would uh, to which credit would accrue to Joe Biden uh, rather than Donald Trump. That's how small his politics is, and that's how much negative influence he has on our Republican politics in Arkansas. People say, why are you still writing about Trump? Because I think day to day, more of our Arkansas political behavior is explained by the Trump menace than anything else. So that's why don't be bewildered. I'm bewildered that you're bewildered. They're just scared of Trump, and they're scared of these kind of hateful, have you heard these? Heard some of these recordings or read some of these things that these 13 Republican House members from around the country, who put a, who voted for infrastructure to put it over the top, that the kinds of calls they're getting, the threatening domestic terroristic threat, threats uh, uh, they're getting, uh, so that that's why that was. We, there should be nothing bewildering about it. That's all I was trying to say. I understand that, but when you read the statements that came out from members of the congressional delegation, I mean. To me, they at least had some political cover. They say that the infrastructure bill had a price tag that was too big, that it not only had those good things that you want in an infrastructure bill, but there were elements of the Green New Deal in there that it unlocked some sort of socialist version of spending. Um, and then okay, I'm Robert. Just, I'm telling you the spin that has come out here. Why is that not plausible? So. This is what our dialogue has to do, because when I get out there with too much candor, uh, uh, or get out there too much on one side, you've got to reel it back because of your objectivity. And I appreciate you doing that. But I think all that was blah, blah, blah nonsense. Uh, uh, I mean, they're going to vote against uh, uh, making our bridges safer, extending broadband in Arkansas because they're upset that they're electric car charging stations. Uh, really? Uh, uh, building, uh, building things uh, is uh, the voters of Arkansas passed the Constitutional Amendment overwhelmingly for infrastructure. And this idea that this thing is not really infrastructure is wrong. There are billions for roads and millions and millions for roads and bridges for Arkansas. But infrastructure is now, can you get fast internet out here in rural Arkansas? And that's, they tell me this, the state legislators are more uh, into that than anything else, trying to get, uh, they're tired of, uh, of of having all their Zoom meetings crash out in rural Arkansas in this new environment. So I think this was an easy bill to vote for, if not for the menace of Trump, but I appreciate your countering view for the benefit of our viewers and listeners. I have to make sure that you can definitely defend your positions. That's my job, John. That's my job. Well, I mean, it's a uh, it's my view, and as somebody once said of me, he doesn't necessarily tell it like it is, but he certainly tells it like he thinks it is. John Brummett is a political columnist with the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. His columns can be found at ArkansasOnline.com. He talks almost every week on our show with Roby Brock, with our partner Talk Business and Politics. More from their conversation this week can be found at TalkBusiness.net. We know a bit more about the schedules for the two collegiate soccer teams in our area seeking national championships. The Arkansas Razorbacks now in the NCAA tournament second round after defeating Northwestern State last Friday are home again at 6.30 this Friday night against Virginia Tech. Earlier Friday, Purdue and Notre Dame will face each other in another second round game, that too, in Fayetteville. Then the winners of the two matches will meet in the Sweet 16 Sunday afternoon at 4.30 
That's again in Fayetteville. And you can make it a big collegiate soccer weekend because the John Brown University women's soccer team hosting NAIA tournament matches at Alumni Field in Salem Springs this week as well. Two matches, including JBU against Friends College from Kansas, will be played Thursday night, and those two winners will then meet Saturday again in Salem Springs. And the Arkansas Razorback cross-country teams will be running for national championships Saturday at the NCAA Finals in Tallahassee, Florida. The men are ranked 7th in the country. The women will enter the race ranked 8th in the nation. What's your favorite Thanksgiving memory? Hi, I'm Matthew Moore, a reporter and producer for Ozarks at Large. Mine is gathering mine and my wife's extended families together at a renovated farmhouse in Cane Hill, Arkansas. The fireplace is burning strong. There's a gaggle of folks putting together a thousand-piece puzzle. And my niece in the corner learning how to play tic-tac-toe from her great aunt. Now it's your turn. Tell us your favorite Thanksgiving memory. You can do that by downloading the KUAF app, click the Connects tab at the bottom of the screen, and leave us a message. Or you can call the Connect line, 479-575-6577. That's 575-6577. Ozark Regional Transit will continue its zero-fare program for Northwest Arkansas riders through 2022. ORT announced this morning it will continue the program in an effort to further boost ridership and help businesses hurt by the pandemic. Also in 2020, the service plans an extensive bus stop inventory and analysis of all current bus stops. And the public transit system in Bentonville will shift from the existing fixed-route system to a two-bus on-demand system like the one currently employed in Rogers. Ozarks at Large is underwritten, in part, by the Walton Family Charitable Support Foundation. KUAF is supported by Little Wing Productions, presenting American singer, songwriter, and actor Lyle Lovett in concert at the Auditorium in Eureka Springs, Wednesday, March 23, 2022, at 7.30 p.m. A limited number of reserved seat tickets go on sale this Friday morning at 10 a.m theauditorium.org for tickets and more information. This is Ozarks at Large sitting across from me in the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio is Catherine Sherrill, our militant grammarian. Welcome back, Catherine. Thanks, Kyle. Hey, I learned a new word, word. Okay, this usually means a quiz, but go ahead. <laughs> it does. Paraprosdokian. <laughs> That's more than one posdokian, apparently. Yeah, that's yes. Right. <laughs> what is a paraprosdokian? Well, Winston Churchill loved them. Mm-hmm. They are figures of speech in which the latter part of a sentence or phrase is surprising or unexpected. Okay. So a lot of them are well-known sayings, but the, there's a twist. Okay. Okay. Right. I'm game. Henny Youngman's famous joke: "Take my wife." Please. Please. Right. That, I got you. That's perhaps the best known example of paraprosdokian in comedy. You think he's setting up an example featuring his wife, but you're surprised when he makes it a plea. Right. So, Kyle, we're going to try this on the fly comedy writing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you the beginning of a sentence and you give me what you think might be the paraprosdokian. Okay. So how does this well-known statement go? Where there's a will... There's a way. Okay. Now, think of it not as a determination, but as a document. Yes. 
I've seen this in some sitcom oh, hey. or before okay, when you're talking it? about um, where there's a will. Yeah, like a last will and testament. Yeah, there's a way. Yeah, well, but how would you change it? Change the there's oh. a way. If there's a will. If there's a will. Okay, I'm going to give you this one because it okay. might give you an idea okay. of the flavor of the Thank rest. You. Thank you. If there's a will, I hope I'm in it. <laughs> okay. 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 I got it. I got so you don't it. have to hang on to, right. to any of the So original. you're taking that well-known first part of Begin. the phrase, mm-hmm. and now we're going to flip it around. Okay. Right. I think right. I'm with you now. Okay. I've seen this next one on more than one website lately. It doesn't really have an expected ending, but what might you add to make it unexpected? The last thing I want to do is hurt you, but... I will? Yeah, it's still on my list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's a pithy statement with a good turn of phrase. War does not determine who is right, only... Who's left? Think of right. Yes, yes. Oh, oh, oh. Well, we are talking about war. Uh, Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Try finishing this one. Knowledge is knowing a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is not putting it. Knowledge is knowing, not putting it. So we're going to play. I'm sorry. Knowledge is knowing a tomato is a fruit. Uh Wisdom is not putting it. In a fruit cup? In a fruit salad. Yeah, yeah, good, good. Although the other day I saw something. Huh? It's not the worst thing in the world. No, it's not. And, and the other day I heard uh, a recipe of somewhere, and it said, it's talking about watermelon, and it said, and tomato and watermelon are often paired. I'm, really? <laughs> That's called summer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So why not? Yeah. yeah. Here's one our friends in academia can relate to. To steal ideas from one person is plagiarism. To steal from many is... Um, um. A dissertation. Um, um, <laughs> what do you have to do before you write a dissertation? Research. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to steal ideas from one person is plagiarism. To steal from many is research. <laughs> okay. The next one is comedy based on logic. I love it. In filling out an application where it asks who should be notified in case of emergency, I put... Doctor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> have you heard that Yeah, one? <laughs> I think I've said that before. <laughs> It reminds me of a thing from uh, the office where Michael has to take uh, Dwight to the hospital and he's filling out the forms for him. Mm-hmm. And he, said, he says, what should I put for reason for coming? And and uh, Jim says something. He says, oh, I put to bring my friend to the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And this one is applicable to several politicians. Behind every successful man is his woman. Behind the fall of a successful man is usually behind the fall of a successful. Um, Think of all the politicians. What, his mistress. Another woman. Another woman. Okay. <laughs> That's sad that you could make me think of that just by saying think of all the just politicians. By politician, but, yeah. This one reminds me of the joke about escaping from a bear. I don't need to be faster than the bear, just faster than you. Mm-hmm. Right. Here it is. You do not need a parachute to skydive. You only need a parachute to... Survive the skydiving? Skydive twice. Yeah, right. (laughs) What about this one? I used to be indecisive. Now... I don't know. 
uh, or close. Um, now I'm not so so sure. Yeah. Or, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this one is among my favorites. I hope you know it. I love this. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than. Guess you haven't heard it. Mm-hmm. Standing in a garage. Makes you a car? Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, I see. I get you. Yeah. And unfortunately, this one is all too true of me. I'm supposed to respect my elders, but now... I am the elder. Yeah, yeah. it's getting harder and harder yeah. to find one. <laughs> okay, you should write comedy, Kyle, in your spare time. Yes. Milton <laughs> <laughs> Grammarian is Catherine Sherald's. This is Ozarks at Large. You know Arkansas is home to thousands of artisans and craftspeople. And each year, the Arkansas Arts Council identifies one of the artists as an Arkansas living treasure. The recognitions have been taking place since 2002, when Beatrice Stebbing of Salem Springs was celebrated for her life's work in stained glass. This year, as the pandemic shut so much down early, there was no Arkansas Living Treasure recognition. But there will be a 2022 Arkansas Living Treasure, and the nomination process is underway now. Yesterday, we called Scarlett Sims, Artist Services Manager for the Arkansas Arts Council, to ask about how the nominations work. She says past recipients have represented a wide variety of media, and all have been practicing their work for some time when recognized as Arkansas Living Treasures. We're talking like decades of just like mastery. And then at the same time, this person is someone who has perpetuated and preserved his or her or their craft or traditional art by making sure that it goes forward through education, through programs, through community. It doesn't necessarily have to be that this person is an educator in a school district or is an educator inside an academia sort of professional field, but it has to be someone who has put in the effort to try to make sure that the next generation also knows how to do the craft or traditional arts. So you can even think of it in a smaller term where maybe you are part of a knitting circle or you're part of a quilting circle, even churches, some of these uh, older churches in rural communities. I know that we had quilt sort of circles that people came to and they had friendships around, but there was also someone there who was a master of that craft and helped perpetuate it by educating the younger people about how to do that traditional work of art. So that would be an example. So the kind of the, the, the ones that we have in the past awarded, it's always been a craft. So think weaving, textile, bladesmithing, metalworking, log cabin making, chair making. Um, We have had like just woodworking, sculpture, pottery. It's been an amazing breadth. Uh, The Arkansas Living Treasure Program has been around since 2002. 
And um, it's through the Arkansas, of course, it's through the um, Arkansas Arts Council. But we also have awarded an honorary award to Jerry Fisk, who is a, a master bladesmith who actually helped create this award. It was, you know, something that he thought was a good idea. And we just sort of embraced as an entire arts community. And now this award has sort of grown to the point where we really want to make sure that we're reaching out and, and to all of the communities across Arkansas, which is why I wanted to make clear that it's not just a craft, but it also can be a traditional folk art. So I'm thinking more like a traditional performance art or a traditional mechanism that maybe is not usually captured in a physical object. Dance might be something, you know, something, something along those lines. What I love, you, you know, you touched on this a little bit about the difference because Robert Runyon from Winslow, right, in 2014 for log cabin construction. Uh, and, yeah, they're the ones that you might off the top of your head think about. Peter Lippincott, of, who then lived in Fort Smith in 2010, one for pottery. Um, fiddle making, uh, way yeah. back. Uh, Violet Hensley, who's just is, you know, a treasure from Yaleville fiddle making. But in 2015, from Hot Springs, and I'm not sure I'm going to get her last name pronounced correctly, Lori Popow, egg art. Mm -hmm. This is, I just love the variety that's um, in the list of of past recipients. Yes, we do have quite a, a variety of different types of crafts. But we would like to see more applications. Um, I think during the pandemic, there was, I don't know if we had a lot of craft people and traditional folk artists who just sort of, there was a lot of despondency in the arts community overall that I had seen. I'm not sure if that translated or not, but we definitely had a lot of people who just didn't really want to engage during that year. And so we, we were forced not to actually have the 2020 uh, award in person. And then this year we had to not have it at all. So it, the, the pandemic has been devastating in Arkansas, especially among creatives. Uh, and I would, I'm hopeful that this next year can be a massive celebration. So, well, we have, we Arkansans have until December 20th to nominate someone we think should be a living treasure. How do we do that? You can go to the website. It's at www.arkansasarts.org. There is an online form. You can upload a nomination letter. You will need two other recommendation letters for this particular crea- creative. So um, it can be a mentor, a student, um, community leader. We've had mayors write in, uh, county judges. You know, it, it, someone who is connected with this creative uh, who can vouch for that person. And you just upload those nomination forms, and then the process will proceed from there. Uh, later in February, we will have professional, a professional independent panel who will review all of the material that's submitted, the nomination letters and information that the artist later submits and choose the next 2022 Arkansas Living Treasure who will be recognized during a uh, hopefully in-person uh, reception in May. So we're hopeful that we can be able to create a lot of buzz around this person um, somehow celebrate the craft and, and just sort of build it up and recognize the true talent and heritage and identity of Arkansas. It's, it's so diverse and deep and it's, it's evolving. And I really feel like we don't necessarily see ourselves in that light when we should. And, and yes, the, the, 
the most recent uh, recipient was Michael Warwick for Metalworking in Little Rock. You have recipients from Fayetteville mm-hmm. and Fort Smith and Hot Springs, some of the larger cities in Arkansas. But you look, since 2002, you've also got OARC. No one will call OARC a big city. You have Winslow, you have Royal, you have Nashville and Yellville. This is not uh, a sort of um, procedure that has a bias towards the larger cities. I think the opposite, honestly. <laughs> Some of the, the best crafters I've ever met are from more rural areas, uh, including my own. I mean, you might not think Russellville is particularly huge. In fact, it was the big town next door from Atkins, where I'm from, but uh, we actually have an Arkansas living treasure living and still working in, in the Russellville area. So there, it's, it's everywhere. It could be your uncle, your aunt, next door, neighbor, your minister. I mean, we have a wealth of talent and a wealth of just incredible skill in Arkansas. Scarlett Sims is Artist Services Manager with the Arkansas Arts Council and talked with us yesterday afternoon about the nominating process for the 2022 Arkansas Living Treasure Award. You can learn more, make a nomination, and see the list of all the craftspeople recognized since 2022 by following links at ArkansasHeritage.com. Deadline for nominations, December 20th. December is next month, by the way. And the holiday parade season is beginning soon. Soon, like Friday. Fayetteville's annual Lights of the Ozarks begins Friday night with a lighting ceremony and a parade on the square. Mayor Jordan will flip the switch at 6. The parade follows, and it's a new route this year, beginning on block, heading south toward the square, then east on mountain past the town center before heading north and ending just past the Graduate Hotel. Eureka Springs will host its annual Christmas parade on December 3rd, sticking with the familiar Eureka Springs route, starting at the library and moving along Spring Street. Springvale's second annual Parade of Trees. That's when downtown streets are lined with Christmas trees that you can help decorate, and you can find out more at downtownspringdale.org. will be up November 27th through January 2nd. Springdale will also host a hot cocoa crawl, a holiday market, Christmas on the Creek, and something called Cycling Santas throughout the month of December. More information about dates, all at downtownspringdale.org. And the Fort Smith Christmas Parade is December 11th at 3 p.m. in downtown Fort Smith. The Fort Smith Christmas Parade, now 80 years old. Registration to participate this year open through the end of this month. You can find out more by searching for Fort Smith Christmas Parade at eventbrite.com. And yes, there's more with Christmas. More Christmas parades. We'll let you know about them as the week continues on Ozarks at Large. KUAF is supported by Hendricks College, offering engaged learning by linking classrooms to the world and developing career skills throughout its curriculum. Hendricks graduates pursue medical, law, and other advanced degrees, preparing students to lead lives of accomplishment. Hendricks.edu slash connect for more information. Scott Family Amazium offers discovery of science, technology, engineering, design, and history of the bicycle in Gear Up, the science of bikes. Through hands-on experiences and authentic bikes, Gear Up gives an inside look at the bicycle. More information is available online at amazium.org. Tomorrow on Ozarks at Large, testing of white-tailed deer in a half-dozen states so far show alarming rates of COVID-19 infection. How about Arkansas deer? Well, they've been yet to be tested. As far as I know, there's currently no white-tailed deer surveillance for SARS-CoV-2 in Arkansas. 
we have had discussions uh, with our state partners at the at the state level to to see if that's something we can pull off in time. That story on tomorrow's Ozarks at Large at noon or 7 on KUAF 91.3. You can also listen on your schedule by subscribing to or downloading the free Ozarks at Large podcast available through all major podcast distributors. And you can hear the most recent edition of Ozarks at Large by asking your smart speaker to please play Ozarks at Large. I'm Scott Tong. Historian Taya Miles wrote about a black family's history dating back to 1850 South Carolina after reading some words embroidered on a simple cotton sack. Well, the object itself is unique and beautiful. When a person sees it, I think they just fall into the story. That story next time on Here and Now. Here and Now, just ahead at 1 on KUAF. And this is 91.3 KUAF, Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Rogers, and Hazel Valley. Ozarks at Large is a production of KUAF. Timothy Dennis produced today's show in the Harold and Blanchcock News Studio. Contributors today included Catherine Sherald, our militant grammarian. Our conversations between John Brummett, a political columnist with the Arkansas Democrat Gazette, and Roby Brock from our partner Talk Business and Politics, part of our relationship with Talk Business and Politics. Sherry Ottaviano is KUAF's membership director. You can learn more about supporting your public radio station at supportkuaf.com. Our theme is titled The First Hurrah. It is written and performed by Daryl Sean. Additional content for this Tuesday edition of Ozarks at Large came from KUAR Public Radio for Little Rock and Central Arkansas. We do return tomorrow at noon and 7 with a brand new Wednesday edition of our show. From the Carver Center for Public Radio in downtown Fayetteville, I'm Kyle Kellums. Thanks so much for being with us. Take care of yourself. We'll talk again very soon.